Okay, my name is Janet Fitch, and uh, I'm here reading my book, Painted Black. Um, it's um, about uh, the aftermath of a suicide in a 1980 punk rock L.A. Uh, it's the story of an art model, Josie Tyrell, um, who was given a vision of a new way of seeing herself by her art student boyfriend, Michael, very different from herself. Uh, he's from a cultured family and really gave her a different way to see the world. And so when he checked out, she's got to decide, does she get to keep what he showed her uh, about herself and the world, or did he take it with him? And in the piece I'm going to read um, today, she has been circling his mother's house um, throughout the early part of the book, um, just getting in closer and closer circles. Uh, and this is Christmas Eve. She has been driving around uh, drinking and uh, doing uh, prescription drugs. <laughs> and she ends up in front of the house thinking about his mother up there who is has blamed her for the suicide. She gazed up at the dark house... She loved this house. That was the truth, the somber place with its graceful, rusted gate and heavy, dark trees. The last time she had been in that house, it had been fall, a sunny morning in October. The leaves had all been swept, and she'd worn her yellow print dress with the geishas on it. They'd been together almost two months, and she was going to meet his famous mother. Meredith was back from tour and needed to talk to him right away. She'd just found out that he hadn't gone back to Harvard. The lawyer told her that rat fink. Come with me, Josie, Michael said. I want you to be there. So they had gone right through those gates. She was nervous and excited to finally meet this woman whom her son so hated and admired. The house had changed now that its owner had returned. The furniture was dusted. The tall windows cleaned. Dark floors gleamed with wax. An elegant woman in green slacks and a crisp white shirt rose to meet them, dark hair fa framing her strikingly boned face. Sea-green eyeshadow made her eyes even more translucent above those decisive cheekbones, eyes just like his. When she saw Josie, her smile flared and died like a scrap of paper that burns out in a second. Meredith, this is my friend Josie. Josie, my mother, Meredith Lowy. His friend? Suddenly she was his friend? After screwing him senseless the night before, his friend? Josie followed him down into the living room, face flaming across the polished floor, the worn-out rugs. If they were so rich, why did they have such junky old rugs? His mother stood by the couch, tall like her son. She smiled at Josie, a flicker, then turned to Michael, who came to her and kissed her lightly. Michael, we need to talk. I hadn't expected company. A quick flicker of green. Josie's not company, Meredith, Michael said. She's my girlfriend. Soothing, healing waters, cooling her face, her heart girlfriend. She felt restored. She had a right to be here. But we need to talk, darling, Me Meredith said. I thought Irv explained to you. There's nothing you can't say in front of Josie, Michael said. Now, sitting outside the great, dark mushroom wall of the house, Josie understood exactly why Michael had brought her along that day. She had thought he wanted to introduce her to his mother, show her there was going to be a new setup, announce that they were together, but now she saw he was afraid. 
He would weaken, give in, if she wasn't there to remind him of what he wanted, who he'd become in the months his mother had been away. He had drawn courage from her. I see, Meredith said. I'll have Sophia bring us some coffee. She walked up the three steps to the foyer. Michael, would you help me for a moment? I'll wait here with Josie. They settled on one of the white couches in the room where all the grandfather's friends had gathered to drink and flirt and forget and remember the Europe they'd left behind, brilliant parties that sometimes went from one day to the next. Composers and writers and movie directors, Stravinsky had once sat here, Billy Wilder, Schoenberg, who at the time was making a living giving piano lessons to rich brats in Beverly Hills. The very air seemed permeated with their foreign voices, the energy of their genius, and here was Josie Tyrell from South Union Avenue, Bakersfield, being invited to the party. His mother returned, folded herself onto the couch opposite, defended by the leather-topped coffee table with its bowl of bronze chrysanthemums. She reached out and plucked a sagging bloom from the bowl, threw it into the empty fireplace. A painfully upright woman with black hair scraped in a chignon came down the steps balancing a tray full of cups and saucers, the silver coffee set now polished to a satin shine. She carried it the way you'd carry a crown on a cushion, her nose high-bridged and aristocratic. Michael spoke to her in Spanish. Josie could tell the woman was thrilled to see him, though she pretended she wasn't, wouldn't look at him straight on. Josie would never have guessed her to be the maid. She looked more like a scary Spanish teacher in a gray wool dress. She set the coffee things down and sent Michael a glance full of messages, then turned back to her boss. You like me to pour, senora? No, I will. Thank you, Sophia, Meredith said. That will be all. That was over a year ago, and she could even remember that flashing glance Michael had exchanged with the maid, and how intimidated she'd felt sitting there in a room where Marcel Duchamp had once played chess with the grandfather. Even the maid acted like royalty. So, Meredith said, crossing her legs, folding her hands over her sea-green knee, Irv tells me you're not going back to Cambridge. Irv, the Fink lawyer. That's right, Michael said. I'm in art school. I've decided to be a painter. He put his arm around Josie. How Meredith's eyes flicked almost imperceptibly at the sight of it, as if the eyes themselves could not believe what they saw, the arm, the ease with which they were together. You never painted before. Why this sudden interest? She poured coffee into the cups, handing Michael one on a saucer, black, poured another. Cream? She was talking to Josie. Josie shook her head. The mother passed her the cup and saucer, white, with little blue designs painted on it, the handle-like pointy lace. I'm enjoying it, Michael said. I'm not even half bad. I like ice cream, but I don't drop out of Harvard for a double scoop. His mother's knuckles tight on the saucer. Josie could see the white bone. Think, Michael, how are you going to compete with people who have genuine talent, who have dedicated themselves, who have drive and self-discipline? Josie took the cup, the saucer. She wished Michael would say something, stick up for himself. Why didn't he say something? But he didn't. He just turned a little white along the jaw, and his mother kept going. And I suppose you expect me to support you in this little venture, you and your little friend. It's Josie, Michael pronounced slowly and clearly. Tyrell. Of course, Miss Tyrell, his mother said, her eyes like green welding torches. Do you understand that my son has dropped out of Harvard College, that this is his senior year? as if it was her fault, as if she had anything to do with Michael's choice. She blushed to her hairline. I'm painting. It's going very well. What's the big deal? It's not like I'm going to be a lawyer or anything. His hand was on Josie's neck, stroking the fine hair at the nape. You're an artist. Cal's an artist. 
You're not an artist, Michael, his mother said, like God separating the light from the darkness. And I can't abide a dilettante. Art history was the perfect choice for you. I don't understand this sudden change of heart. I don't want to study what other people paint. I want to do it myself. I've always drawn, fiddled, diddled, dabbled, Meredith sighed and sat back in the deep pillows of the couch, her voice low and patient like a nursery school teacher. The morning light streamed in through the big French windows, softened by giant camellia bushes 12 feet high. She sipped from her blue and white cup. It's not something you can pick up. Oh, I'm going to be an artist now. Kandinsky was 40. He's really very good, Josie interrupted. You should see what he's doing. His mother turned her attention to Josie, surprised, as if she hadn't noticed her sitting there before. It was a little frightening, the ferocity of that face, like being two feet away from a leopard. Speaking slowly, as if she wasn't sure Josie spoke English, Meredith said, And just where did you acquire your knowledge of fine art, Miss Tyrell? Sipping from her coffee, holding the saucer just so, the porcelain so delicate you could see the design right through. She knew that tone. She'd heard it all her life. You're one of those Tyrells, aren't you? I model at the art school. I've seen a lot of work, and he's wonderful. His teachers think so, too. A model, Meredith said, not a question, a statement, as if a piece of the puzzle had fallen into place. There's nothing wrong with your hearing, Meredith. What's this all about? His arm was not around her anymore. He curled his hand around his fist, leaning forward over the chrysanthemums. This is not about me and Josie. Oh, God, Michael, don't be stupid, Meredith said. Of course it is. I see it all quite clearly. We meet the little match girl, and out goes Harvard. We've dropped out, and suddenly we're playing La Boheme down there in Echo Park. Alas, poor Mimi. His mother drained her cup and set it on the leather-topped table, settled back into the pillows of the white couch, edged in antique fringe. She plucked at the fringe. You know why artists live in garrets, Michael. Fresh air? Meredith wasn't smiling. Her tone had become harsher. It's not la boheme if there's money from home. You understand me? Go back to Harvard. You're almost done. You cannot keep changing your mind, especially for this, meaning her. So Michael is quite defiant of his mother's threat to cut him off. But when he gets home, he admits to Josie that he's never had a job and she reassures him that he'll be able to find something, but he really worries that um, he might not be suited to do it. And he looked. He circled things in the paper. He even tried a waiter gig. True to his sense of it, it lasted about half a day. Then one day she came home from a sitting, and the house was empty. No Michael in the kitchen, chopping fish heads with his heavy cleaver on the round cutting board. No Michael painting by the window, barefoot in his splattered white pants and old T-shirt. Five o'clock, six o'clock, seven. She was getting worried when he marched in the door with a huge bunch of sunflowers, picked her up, crushing the flowers as he twirled her around. What happened? I thought you got hit by a car. I got a job, he said, putting her down on the blue couch. Doing what? He didn't say anything, just sat down at the upright piano and started playing some honky-tonkish number, the razzle-dazzle right hand, the bottom holding the rhythm. Michael, what did you get? Oh, but I am not Michael. From now on, you may address me as Signor Music. 
He switched into a simple little waltz at Senor Rinaldo's Escuela de Valle, four afternoons a week from tres to seis y media, and Saturdays to diez a cuatro. I may suck royally, but you don't have to be circin to play I'm a little teapot for a bunch of five-year-olds. Also, Senor Rinaldo appreciates Senor Music's rugged good looks. To subscribe to the Writer's Block and hear more stories, visit www.kqed.org slash writer's block. The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.